RadioInfluence.com. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed. Ring the bell. We're back in and ready to preview the upcoming Leo Santa Cruz, Rafael Rivera, WBA featherweight championship fight. It is the premier boxing champions event this weekend that is headlining that show in Los Angeles. It is being shown all over the U.S. on Fox TV and their mobile app. We're here to talk about that fight and a lot more. Welcome in. I am simply your humble host. I am ready for some fisticuffs. I am ready for the sweet science. I am ready for the boxing to be back this weekend and that Saturday night show on Fox, which will begin at 8 Eastern time. It's got a pretty good undercard as well. And I'm here to talk some boxing. I'm here to talk about that fight, but we've got all kinds of other things going on, including Anthony Joshua is going to fight in the United States. He holds three of the heavyweight title belts. He'll come to the U.S. for the first time in June. We'll be discussing that with our guests here on Big Fight Weekend. Plus, will Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury sign that rematch? And when will that fight be in and around the Joshua fight? The two heavyweights are big time in the news. And we've got a big announcement. You know, we're Big Fight Weekend. BigFightWeekend.com has now launched as well. And the guy that is going to be our uh, our ringleader, if you will, the guy that we're relying on the most is going to join me straight ahead here. Marquise Johns is his name. I've known Marquise for a little while now. He's a huge fight fan. I'll, I'll introduce him to you more and have him talk more about BigFightWeekend.com and what to expect from it. That site is up. It is rolling. We encourage you to go there 24-7, 365. It'll have boxing news, but more importantly, opinion. It will have historical perspective on some great fights. Uh, You can't say enough when you can go back in the time machine like we did with BigFightWeekend.com for Buster Douglas Mike Tyson 29 years ago this week. That uh, tremendous upset took place in Tokyo where Douglas won the undisputed heavyweight championship with a knockout over the seemingly invincible Tyson. So we're not only going to talk about that on this podcast, but that's what you could come to expect on BigFightWeekend.com as well. Uh, Look back at some of the history-making moments in boxing from from week to week, because there's always one now. Especially if you go back into the into the archives, the 50s, the 60s, come forward to the 70s, 80s, etc. Always, always love to go back and look at the history of the sport. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that with all of our guests here. So Marquise will be up to talk about the website, the preview that they've got up on the website of the uh, of the Santa Cruz Rivera fight. Get his thoughts on that. Uh, ESPN at the time we're talking right now will roll out a middleweight championship fight uh, that is taking place in Minnesota. And so Marquise will talk a little bit about that. Uh, A little later on here in the podcast, we'll go over to England from where I am here in Florida, based in the United States. We'll go to England and talk with David Payne. I frequently have him on Big Fight Weekend. Such a fantastic guest and voice with insight on the historical perspective of boxing, the point of view of someone that is writing and covering and watching uh, the sport in the UK. He'll have thoughts on Joshua and this fight with Jarrell Big Baby Martin. And Big Baby is large. We're going to joke some about that. When will Wilder and the UK's Tyson Fury fight again? I'll get David's thoughts on that. And he wants to weigh in a bunch on Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson uh, as well. 
well. And he'll even probably have a thought, too, on Santa Cruz and Rivera coming up. So I look forward to hearing from David Payne. And then our final interview, I always love, save the best for last in this case, too. I love the Prince of Darkness on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox does a tremendous job overnights, Friday nights, Saturday nights. They talk lots of football, yes, and other sports. But Jonas is a huge boxing guy. He's in L.A. What kind of buzz is there heading to the weekend for this Santa Cruz fight against Rivera? Leo Santa Cruz from the Los Angeles area has fought at least 10 times in and around the Los Angeles area, including this main event that he's headlining coming up. So is L.A. into that like they are the Lakers and Hollywood and the Dodgers starting up and everything else that's happening in Los Angeles? The Rams recently in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, trying to figure out who's sleeping with who on what soap opera, what new movie's coming out. All of it is, it's all in L.A. Jonas will be here with some insight. I'll talk some Tyson Douglas remembrances with him as well. I'm going to do that with all of our guests here on Big Fight Weekend, but I'll do that with Jonas as well later on in the show. So uh, plenty here on the plate. By the way, Big Fight Weekend podcast here is sponsored in part by Touch Vodka. It is something uh, that is fresh from Florida. Again, we encourage you to go to touchvodka.com to find out more about how you can get their fantastic product in multiple different flavors uh, from our friends at Nirvana Spirits. Go to touchvodka.com. They are proud sponsors here as part of Big Fight Weekend. Find out where it's available, how you can get some of this fantastic product Uh, Again, touchvodka.com. So they're proud sponsors with us here on the show. All right, so that sets the stage. Again, we've got plenty of guests that are going to be coming up uh, here to talk about these different fights, including Santa Cruz and Rivera coming up uh, on Saturday night. PBC show, Premier Boxing Champions on Fox. Anxious to see if Santa Cruz decks this guy who's a late uh, injury replacement. Uh, in Rafael Rivera for the featherweight championship. We will find out. So the little, the little guy's going to be mixing it up. A lot of talk about the heavyweights as well. Let's get started on Big Fight Weekend. And he is my leadoff hitter, and I am excited to welcome into the Big Fight Weekend podcast for the first time the gentleman that will be manning, operating. He's like our corner man. He's like the chief second. He is like the guy in charge. He's like the head of one of these boxing organizations. He's the head promoter, whatever you want to call him, for BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise Johns is with me here on the podcast. I am thrilled to be uh, partnering up with you as part of the website, as part of this podcast. You're a huge fight fan. Welcome. I'm introducing you to the listening audience here, and they're going to learn a lot more on the website about you and your writings and what you think about boxing. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Welcome. Thank you, TJ, for the introduction. I'm missing a cigar at this point, but thanks for having me on with this. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get into it because I, I want to educate people. I've, I've talked on this podcast, and I, and I make mention any time that I'm on doing broadcasting that I'm a huge fight fan and have been for 40 years of my life. I'm getting old, Marquise, for 40 years of That's my up life. That's there, man. That's I've up loved, there. <laughs> I've loved boxing. You're a lifelong boxing fan, too. Yes, you love this. I do, actually. I've been growing up watching this since the old days of the old closed-circuit pay-per-views with the old Tyson fights and the 30-second disappointments that family was paying to watch those. (laughs) Even even to the current era of the technical uh, beatdowns that Mayweather was giving out to people. Granted, they weren't the most exciting fights to watch, but I've been always covering it in one way or another watching these fights. Love it. 
Um, all right. So we, you know, I, I want to familiarize people with you. You grew up now. You, did you grow up in Michigan? Am I correct? Are you a Cronk Jim boxing guy from the eighties and the nineties with Emmanuel Stewart and Hitman Hearns and all the great fighters out of the crowd? You're a Michigan guy, right? I am a Detroit guy, but those guys are on the east side of town and I am not, I'm on the west side of things towards Ann Arbor and the sticks. But I do know those guys, and those guys, some guys put on some great fights when I was a kid growing up. Oh, no doubt. The Cronk the Kronk Jim and Emmanuel Stewart, the late Emmanuel Stewart legendary. Hitman Hearns was the was Hearns. the was the biggest guy from that in the eighties. Uh with the with the battles with Sugar Ray Leonard, with Marvin Hagler. Of course, Hearns uh, had the massive right hand. He destroyed Roberto Duran with one right hand in the second round. Go YouTube that fight, folks, and watch and watch the thunderous right hand that Thomas Hearns hit Roberto Duran with. And you and you wonder how Marvin Hagler didn't get knocked out later on in that great fight, especially in the opening round, and survive those punches. Hearns actually, Marquise, I think you know this as a legend, as a Detroit thing. Hearns broke his hand in that first round on Marvin Hagler's head. That's how hard Absolutely. Marvin Hagler's That's head how was. Hard is- his head was that hard. I can't understand that to this day. Oh. You would think that's like some of those urban legends like you hear like in Greek mythology books where it's like, oh, he, he used seven in one stroke. No, he hit this, he <laughs> broke his hand on this guy's head. <laughs> Unbelievable. The, it's the history about – you're more of a Joe Lewis guy with the, uh, the, that part of Detroit. The right arm of Joe Lewis is in downtown Detroit, a big uh, monument, big museum. Uh, a cast iron Joe Lewis arm is there with the fist and the whole thing. So Detroit, a big boxing town. That's part of your background. Uh, okay, yeah. I'll quiz you on a couple of these. If I said to you, uh, favorite fighter and why? Let me pop quiz you. Give me a favorite fighter all time, Marquise. My favorite fighter of all time, it's, it's a dark horse pick, and I'm going to be the minority when I say this. I was a big fan of Holyfield when he was in his prime. Love it. When, when he knocked out Buster Douglas for his, for his initial run of championship, and then from there it just took off with me. That, that's, that's when I picked up watching boxing in general, hardcore. The real deal, Holyfield. Holyfield. The real deal, Holyfield, who kept fighting like into his 40s. I think Evander would stay down in his 50s, would still be fighting now if he could physically still get in the ring and mix it up with anybody. But if, yeah, if the there's real, a staple hey, in the clear him, he'd be fighting hey, right now. The real, the real deal had like several incarnations of his career. Because remember, Michael Moore beat him in the early 90s when you were a little younger uh, after he had beaten B- uh, Buster Douglas and took the belts. And then he had the, he had the great fights, too, with Riddick Bowe, three of them, three epic fights. Yeah. Uh, he then came back and reclaimed the title from who? From Mike Tyson in the late 90s, too. So, I mean, the real deal, Evander Holyfield. I love and former Olympic champion. Well, actually, former what uh, Olympic bronze medalist because they had the controversy where he hit the guy after the bell in the '84 Olympics in uh, in in Los Angeles. And he got a bronze. He got oh, a bronze. LA, right. right, right in L.A. He got a bronze medal, but uh, was still a great professional. Fight. I love that with the real deal. Holyfield. All right, so we're going to talk uh, a little bit about everything here on the podcast. Again, a little bit later, David Payne will be here, the boxing writer from over in England in the UK, to give me some perspective. Also, Jonas Knox of Fox Sports Radio will be here as well later on. He's in Los Angeles, uh, based there about this Leo Santa Cruz, Rafael Rivera fight. But uh, Marquise, I want to give you the first whack at this. Anthony Joshua, who has three of the heavyweight title belts, has announced uh, with his uh, with his promoter, Matchroom Boxing, they're coming to the United States. Uh, he will be fighting against Jarrell Big Baby Miller uh, in this uh, world title fight June the 1st at Madison Square Garden. So finally we see Joshua on American soil, former Olympic champion himself, undefeated 
uh, several defenses of the title now coming to the United States. I know you've written about it on BigFightWeekend.com. What about Anthony Joshua coming to the States? Got a thought? I'm looking forward to this fight mainly because Big Baby Miller is the real undercard in this, and all 300 pounds of him is going to be make this more interesting than expected. It's interesting because it's fighting in Miller's backyard in uh, uh, Madison Square Garden, which is going to be on April 1st, correct? No, on, June, on 1st. June 1st, correct. Yes, June 1st. June 1st. It, it is in his backyard, correct. So with, with that in mind, because uh, Miller has been waiting to, to attack Joshua with this fight literally since the initial press conference for this last year was supposed to be taking place. And now, now, now there's much anticipated uh, fight coming overseas. I'm more intrigued on how Joshua's going to train and how he's going to actually be able to out, hopefully outbox uh, Miller in regards to this, because if he stands upright with him, this, this, that's just not a good look for him whatsoever. Oh, well, and that, that fight's coming June 1st. We believe, and we're going to talk about this a lot during the show, Wilder and Fury are going to fight somewhere around that time. What a great fight. Uh, especially with Fury having taken, what, basically two and a half or three years off and disappearing, um, and then and then fought such an epic fight last December and then almost got knocked out in the very last round, uh, and Wilder ends up nearly scoring the knockout. The fight ends up a draw. So at some point, late May, maybe June, after this Joshua fight, we're going to get Wilder and Fury the rematch too. So the heavyweights are, are on our forefront for this summer, right? Absolutely, and it's about time that we had the heavyweight division coming back from where it was was essentially the ashes during the whole Klitschko reign of pretty much Klitschko versus the world, and then once they finally stopped and his brother took over, and then once he took over, and then it was Brazil, and then Shannon Briggs, <laughs> the 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 George Washingtons, the, the James Washington, the, the run of the mill heavyweights for a while was kind of iffy, but now that we have uh, these Joshua fights and Deontay Wilder and Fury rematch, which is going to be epic. And actually, I'll get your question on this, TJ. Did you think Fury had that fight won? I, you know, honestly, I thought Deontay Wilder was virtually even. I thought this was something like six five or or maybe he's down six five going into that last round. I was really surprised that I mean basically because the one judge scored it even, it was a ten eight round in the twelfth round for Wilder. Two of the judges had Fury winning the fight in the final round. Fury almost got that decision. I was not big on that. I thought I thought Wilder had done enough uh, especially with the big knockdown there at the end to get it. Instead, they called it a draw, and why not? It's a conspiracy theory in boxing. Let's have another fight. Maybe we'll have three fights with Wilder and Fury before it's over. And I'm all for, I'm all for the three fights as well. And actually, it's funny you mention that because actually, my personally, when I was watching it, maybe it was just the way I saw it on my end. He, near the end of that fight, Fury took control of it for the most part because he was able to stand toe-to-toe with him. But Wilder did not, not see where you, got, where you had Wilder up front because Wilder controlled the fight for essentially the first five rounds of that fight. And... It's interesting that they're going to make their redoing this again. I'm hoping that they schedule this. If they were smart about it, they would schedule this after this Joshua fight, probably in June. May, not, not June, but uh, April. And no, then no, no we'll, you're we'll right. See. In June, it would be in June after it, the fight. Yep. Yeah, it would be in June after that, and then we'll see how they how they stack up from there. Because Joshua Wilder, just for instance, is the what if game with you? Joshua Wilder versus Deontay Wilder on paper looks incredible. Well, and we may see that fight this winter. I mean, especially if these were to be quick fights if Joshua quickly disposes of Miller and let's say Wilder this time roughs up and stops uh, Fury without much trouble hypothetically stops him like in three rounds or four rounds you could easily see these guys here I am playing matchmaker myself you could see these guys come right back even if they fought in June like in November or something like that five months later hey sign the deal and have them fight this winter uh, wherever it would be I don't care if it's in in Madison Square Garden if it's in England or if it's on the moon let's have these guys fight 
Uh, let's see if we can escalate that. Again, Marquise Johns is with me. It's the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Marquise is the purveyor, is the, uh, is the guy that is behind uh, BigFightWeekend.com. You'll read a lot of what he is writing and keeping you up to date with everything with the sweet science. So on the site, you gave me the opportunity to write up Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, 29 years ago. February like yesterday. Yes, February 11th, 1990 in Tokyo, Buster Douglas with uh I, I think you have to say this, the greatest upset in the history of boxing if not in sports. It still resonates 30 years later as you know, find me a bigger upset than the seemingly indestructible Tyson getting knocked out. All right, I've said my piece. I've written about it on bigfightweekend.com. Uh, uh, tell me more about 30 years later, that's still resonating. What are your thoughts? What are your remembrances of what Douglas did to Tyson in Tokyo? I just remember as a kid watching that fight that pretty much he was not – Buster Douglas had no opportunity to win that fight. From all all accounts, it was pretty much Tyson was going to roll over this guy, was going to get the holy field, and the rest was going to be history. Then T- Tyson lost that fight, and it was a 10th-round knockout. And – the house that I was at watching it with family and friends, you could hear it. A, you could hear a pin drop. Like the, the pizza box was empty. It fell. The glass shattered. Like you would, you would have thought I was at a funeral procession. The way how quiet it was after he got knocked out. Oh, and and it still resonates still. And actually, I thinking of upsets in sports and boxing in general. There honestly, there isn't one. The only one I could think of that's even remotely close. And maybe it was at the time of the times of the times at the time when. When Hasim Rahman knocked out Lennox Lewis the first go round, that's the only other upset that I can sure. think of that really shouldn't have happened. But in, uh, and in, in that fight, and, sports, and in that fight, it was a one punch deal where he smoked him with the big right hand, and it was done. And Lennox Lewis had rubber rubber legs on roller skates, and the fight is over. It was it was shocking and stunning. That was it. You know, the difference in the Douglas is he was dominating for those nine or ten rounds, save for the knockdown round where Tyson got. Uh, it got the big shot in at the end of the round and maybe was going to potentially score a knockout, but the bell rang. Uh, and then a round and a half later, Tyson's flat on his back and unable to put his mouth guard in. It was crazy. Um, but it was a 10-round, basically perfect performance, all but perfect performance by Buster Douglas, not just one lucky punch. Uh, it's remarkable to relive that. I know we're going to talk throughout this podcast with our other guests about it. Um we can't convey enough, can we, Marquise, that Mike Tyson was seemingly invincible, unbeatable. And then to watch that, it's almost bizarre even 30 years later to go back and watch that and to watch what happened that day in, in it Japan. Is, it's unreal because the way Tyson was literally dominating the division of boxing at that time, he was he was the unmovable object. Like No one was getting close to him, no matter who it was. Like Everyone opponent-wise, they would talk. They would talk all sorts of noise, the Leon Spinks, the Trevor Briddicks. I mean, the, you name them, they all fell flat, and they all were getting beat. And, like, they weren't, they weren't even close beat. They were just getting beat <laughs> they down. They destroyed and carried out, yes. They yes. were getting knocked out through rings, over rings, under rings. And it's just like, okay. And then Buster Douglas comes along and pretty much runs roughshod and Tyson for 10 rounds. And, and it becomes champion only only to be destroyed by Holyfield afterwards. But that fight, he, that he, there was no fight in the history of boxing that I could think of that could top that upset. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you you can talk I've been about upsets. About it with you, you can talk about upsets, but again, Tyson undefeated 
Uh, Tyson menacing. I mean, he knocked Michael Speaks out in a minute and a half. He hit Trevor Burbick with a punch when he won the WBC heavyweight title as a 19-year-old. He hit him with a punch where Burbick fell over three times from the same punch he hit him so hard on the temple. Burbick... Burbick looked like uh, a three a three day bender in Vegas trying to recover after one punch. That's what Tyson would do to people. You watch the knockout of of Larry Holmes. You watch the knockout of Tyrell Biggs, a former Olympic champion. You watch the knockout of Pinklon Thomas. I'm going down all the names. He splatted every one of these the guys. Sounding fud yes. was unbelievable. And, with and these yet, guys. Uh, uh, it's just amazing. So again, I, I plugged the article on BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, we relive that one. And by the way, speaking of Leon Spinks, uh, we've got another anniversary this weekend, and that's Leon Spinks and Muhammad Ali and the great upset of Leon Spinks. Probably before Buster Douglas and the win over Tyson, the Leon Spinks upset of Ali might be the greatest boxing upset ever because Leon Spinks had only fought like eight times as a pro, former Olympic champion. The great Ali, two-time champion, had defended the heavyweight title 15 or more times and Leon Spinks beat him decisively in a 15-round heavyweight title fight. And that one now goes back some, what, 41 years ago, I believe. Something like that. Incredible uh, that the late Muhammad Ali lost to, to Leon Spinks, who had so little experience. We're going to probably we're gonna have to write that up as a historical one on Big Fight Weekend going in the way back machine, Marquise. That's a good one as well, too, yeah. And, and I think that, that was back when Ali was making another comeback trail, and then Spinks just came out of nowhere and essentially took, that, took the wheels off of that completely. Nobody had any idea that, that Leon Spinks could beat the great Ali, and of course they had the rematch, and Ali beat him in the rematch uh, about six months later to reclaim the title, and at that time it had become the first man ever to reclaim the heavyweight title twice. Own it three times, reclaim it twice, uh, and so that I cannot believe that that's what forty one, forty two years ago that uh, that Leon Spinks upset Muhammad Ali, but that's coming uh, this weekend. All right, so uh, on this site, let's plug away. I mean, you're going to be writing. We've got uh, a former fighter, David Schott, that's involved. We've got uh, mm-hmm. others, Antoine Williams, who's a boxing promoter that you're going to get to know. We've had him on Big Fight Weekend on the podcast. Uh, he's out of the Houston area. He's a boxing promoter. He's a huge fight fan. Uh, again, David Payne will be contributing from the UK. You're going to have all kinds of different perspectives, is my point, on Big Fight Weekend on boxing, the huge fights that are going on the, the, when they're announced, what's the analysis, who's supposed to win, what happened in the fights. They're going to have it all. Am I right? That's correct. And that's the whole point of BigFightWeekend.com is pretty much to give different perspectives and different views and viewpoints in regards to the, the world of boxing and the sweet science. It, the goal is to be different from every other boxing site where pretty much every other site you can listen to or, or click on and read would be like, well, this happened here and this is what we think of this. Essentially, we're trying to get different viewpoints from different people, professionals, experts, analysis. Yep, we got all of that. Again, BigFightWeekend.com. It's launched. Check it out with Marquise, all the contributors. I'm privileged to be part of it uh, as well. All right, so as part of this podcast, we're talking Santa Cruz Rivera. Leo Santa Cruz defending his portion of the World Featherweight Championship Saturday night on Fox, Premier Boxing Champions card. Look, everybody understands that Rivera, Rafael Rivera, is a late substitute. He's only come in two and a half weeks ago. Uh, because Miguel Flores got injured, he can't fight. So this is supposed to be Leo Santa Cruz and his hometown winning easily. But Marquise, don't we know better that Rivera's got like 17 knockouts in his career? We got to watch because Rivera could land the lucky punch 
Santa Cruz is an aggressive fighter coming in. A lucky punch could land. We got to watch, don't we, and see what happens on Fox Saturday night. We have to watch to see because Rivera has a puncher's chance, as you mentioned before, with the knockdowns. It's going to be an uphill battle because he's taking this fight on short notice. In the history of fights being taken on short notice, you <laughs> rarely hear about the guy on short notice being like, yep, this is my day. And But the one thing that Rivera does have is punching power. We'll see if he can keep up with, with uh, Santa Cruz in regards to that. Santa Cruz has really been running rough out in the division as well, too, lately. Yep, he has. And, he, and again, he is heavily favored. He's fighting in L.A. at the, uh, the Microsoft Arena in downtown Los Angeles. So, Let's see if this is an easy fight for him and, and what it leads to down the road. He had the two wins over Abner Mares. He beat Carl Frampton from Ireland uh, in a huge win back a, a couple of years ago. So Santa Cruz has got some big wins under his belt, and he's expected to win this one easily. Uh, we'll find out, though, as uh, as they scrap it. Again, they'll be writing all about it. Marquise will be writing all about it and uh, and covering it this weekend as part of Big Fight Weekend. Again, I can't say enough. I'm excited about the launch of the site. The podcast also coexisting with the site. We want people to go to BigFightWeekend.com, right, Marquise, and read previews, reviews, historical perspective on boxing. Keep up with it as part of the website, right? Absolutely. And one thing I will mention uh, with Big Fight Weekend, uh, keep in mind also for tomorrow night's card, which is, well, tonight's card, what, Friday, when Rob Brandt uh, is taking on uh, uh, Khrushchev, how do, we, yeah, how do we say that? How do we even say that name? I think that's what we have to work on. Basin Garanov, I think, is how you say the name. I think it's Basin Garanov, but yeah, something it's, along those it's lines. A, yeah, it's I've, been, I've world, been stabbing it for the last two days. It's a <laughs> world title fight, but isn't Brandt, who's from Minnesota, this fight's on ESPN, isn't he supposed to win easily? Or is Basin Garanov going to be able to, to you know, maybe, maybe throw the big punch and maybe have a chance to win this thing? From what I looked at him in regards to it, he has the big punch. Uh, the guy he the, the last fight I saw him in was Nick Lappert, and he essentially he just stood and bodied him essentially by standing in front of him. Hope it, it Brant should win this easily in regards to because he's just faster than the guy. But the the main thing in that fight I actually wanted to look at too was actually there's an undercard with Joshua Greer, this kid out of Chicago who has who is 24 and one. Uh, his gimmick, and I'm a big fan of boxing gimmicks, his is the pillow cushion where he walks out with a pillow cushion for, pe- for people who he puts and he knocks out. Looking forward to see if he does that with this fight because he is also on the uh, sixth knockdown, knockout streak as well. All right, so Greer is fighting on the undercard. It's ESPN televising. This is Friday night as part of Big Fight Weekend. And I'll get the name right. It is Rob Brandt and Kassan Basan Gurov. Basan Gurov. Is the challenge, and so we'll try that as the name uh, for this upcoming World uh, Middleweight Championship fight. Basan Garoff is t- uh, 17-0 with seven knockouts. Not a ton of power, but we'll see what happens on ESPN. And then, of course, Fox has the PBC show, Santa Cruz in the main event against uh, Rivera and a featherweight championship fight. And the one thing you know about Santa Cruz, he's going to come forward, right, Marquise, and he's going to throw a ton of punches. So the only question is whether Rivera puts up any resistance or gets knocked out. We're going to find out, right? We'll find out quickly. And now hopefully uh, Rivera will throw back. And that's one thing about this fight on Saturday I'm looking forward to, is that if anything else, these two are going to throw. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see some action. There's going to be some definite action in this one, if more than anything else. All right, we're looking forward to all of it. Again, go to BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise, I'm thrilled. We look forward to having you on the podcast many more times. This is the beginning of some big stuff, uh, figuratively and literally, with BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you for spending some time with me here to help preview the weekend. DJ, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. 
A reminder, Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Again, go to touchvodka.com to find out more about their outstanding product where you can get your hands on their five different flavors of their great product. It's touchvodka.com. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yo, if we're mixing it up on Big Fight Weekend, I need perspective from all over the place. And when there's an announcement that Anthony Joshua is defending his heavyweight belts and coming to the United States to do it, I've got to get perspective from the UK and the boxing writer David Payne back with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, sir, welcome. We've got lots of juicy news involving heavyweights. We've got a famous anniversary of arguably the greatest upset in the history of boxing that involved heavyweights, including Mike Tyson. That was earlier this week, that anniversary. we got much to discuss with you. First of all, how are you as uh, as we roll in here to February and some exciting boxing action that's going to unfold over the next few weeks and few months? It's exciting times. Great to be on the Big Fight Weekend again, TJ. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, the, the sun's coming out. The uh, crocuses are popping up over here in England. Spring is on its way, and we've got heavyweight fights popping up here, there, and everywhere. It's, um, it's uh, always gets us going when we talk heavyweights, you and I. And here's another chance with lots happening. Yeah, we're going to mix it up. So they make the announcement that Joshua was going to fight in the United States at famed Madison Square Garden uh, against a guy in Jarrell, Big Baby Miller. That uh, he's big. Maybe maybe we should start calling him Bigger Baby Miller after the the what the weight that he's had the last few fights. We'll get into that. What is your initial reaction that Joshua not fighting in the UK, coming to fight uh, for the first time here in the United States uh, at, at one of the most famed venues? What's your reaction to that? Uh, torn, I guess. Um, I think it's it's one of those instances where two things can be true. Um, you can be disappointed and excited at the same time. Um, you can say that this is what shouldn't this shouldn't be happening and then say this should be happening. So let me just break that down. On the one hand, we didn't really want Miller in the other corner. If we throw ourselves back a few months, we were hoping and praying that we'd have seen a wilder fight by now. And certainly if not last year, we'd be looking at another one, uh, uh, the first one or a rematch coming up in this spring. That's not the reality. Then we... Down, we downgrade and think that Dillian White's going to be the stop off in April and we're going to have a big Wembley show. That's not the case. So all things change. Uh, so we're not getting what we wanted. We're not getting what we expected. Um, but there might be some fun to be had in this fight. Um, so a bit torn, a bit torn. And we, we always knew that Joshua would go to America at some point. We can be cynical and point to his comments about not wanting to leave England and rewarding his fans and booking the two Wembley shows for the 2019 and not going to America for Wilder, but he'll go for Miller. We can be cynical about all that stuff, but this boxing business is very complicated. These are real big numbers, and I think the uh, the crucible for all this change, the change in the, the ecology of the, uh, the landscape of the heavyweight division, He's all down to one man, which is Tyson Fury, who I'm sure we'll cover today. But that's what's messed up the world for Joshua. That's made things more difficult and why different opponents are in the corners to the ones we expected. 
Yeah, it's interesting what you laid out there in front of us. Uh, look, uh, you know, I gave you an opportunity. I'm going to give my thought here on this. I think that most fans of the sport want to see Wilder and Joshua eventually. And now, isn't the argument over that Joshua is unwilling to fight somewhere other than London or England or the UK to defend his title? I mean, if you're willing to come to the United States to fight a guy that that most people would look at and say who and why, eventually, if Wilder is victorious, let's say, in a rematch with Fury, there there's no ducking, hey, I won't come to the United States to fight Wilder. You you now have uh, have elected to, to play that card. I am willing to come if the check is right and the date is right. So uh, from my standpoint, I think this may be a good thing because it, it may in some ways force Anthony Joshua to come fight here in the U.S. for that biggest fight. Maybe, maybe not. But certainly it takes away the argument at this point that you're unwilling to do it if you're willing to go and fight a lesser fighter. And I think at that point, if 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 if, if Wilder is aggressive, if his people are aggressive, if his fans are aggressive, they can use the word ducking. They can use the word hiding, the words hiding from if he's not, if he's not willing to do it. So... I, that's just my reaction to this fight being announced. I know you wrote about Jarrell Miller, about Big Baby Miller. We know a little bit about him. If you follow the sport, you've seen him fight some. Not a household name. He is undefeated. W- one of the things that's obvious, so heavy, so big, I, I don't know how much of a threat he really is in this fight. What's your analysis? Because I know you've written about Big Baby Miller on your site, boxingwriter.co.uk. What about it, David? Um, well, I think just on your first point, it's it's an interesting observation that it, it to some extent removes the argument about Joshua traveling. And of course, there's the, there's the counter thing to that too, TJ, which is true that um, there's still the argument about whether where the biggest money is. And uh, previously, again, this is the changing landscape. Previously, it was about Wilder coming to the UK. Would Wilder be willing to come to the UK? So the dynamics have changed since the Wilder Fury fight. That we now have, we now return to the age-old story of the the fighter having to go to America to make it happen. However, that said, you're right. It, it, it removes that caveat, and now we have... Now we, we could see the Wilder fans saying, well, he's willing to do this. Why wasn't he willing for to come for Wilder? So you're absolutely right. Maybe it just removes one last thing. I think the truth of all that is economics, of course, is that, that Matchroom never wanted to make that fight too soon. They wanted it to grow and evolve and take the chance of it becoming bigger and earn in the meantime. And what they'll achieve now, what Wilder's achieved in fighting Fury and, and, the, and that fight and how widely viewed it was as um, the snippets of the last round, at least, everyone's at least seen Fury get up if they didn't watch the whole fight, is that Wilder is a much bigger name than ever he was 12 months ago and now with Joshua fighting in America, then we have his profile growing in America. So that between the three of them, um, they have, whether it's been the path we all wanted, they have actually grown the fight. The size of a potential Wilder, Fury, uh, Wilder sorry, Joshua fight, if both come through their next fight, is probably as big as it can ever be, subject to the result of the sure. Wilder Fury fight. Um, on your other point about Miller, if Miller wasn't 300 pounds, didn't have the accent, didn't have that personality, we would really, really be laughing at this fight. Because there is, there is, there is if absolutely... I can interject, so we're only laughing. We're not really, really laughing at this point. No, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. T- totally useless extra words there. Uh, it's 
because if you watch if you watch his fights, he has not doesn't have the pedigree, doesn't have the movement, he doesn't have the hand speed to to be boxing at this level. He's got no one on his record that merits his presence in a title fight, but he's well connected. He made the right kind of noises at the right kind of times, and he is an American. And they are, and he's three hundred pounds, which gives us all the talking point. And they are the the advantages that he has. If he was from Spain or Argentina, <laughs> this wouldn't be happening. But he gives a platform. He gives an American opponent that people can recognise that's distinguishable from the rest of the American heavyweights. And I don't mean that to sound as crass as it may do, but he is distinguishable because of his size. He's not seven feet. His thing is he's 320 pounds and seems to be getting bigger with every fight. Mm. Um, so all those things are true. As I said to you at the top, two things can be that seem opposite can be true at the same time. So Jarrell Miller doesn't, doesn't merit this fight, doesn't deserve this fight, and pedigree-wise, Joshua should wipe the floor with him. However... It will be fun, won't it? <laughs> yeah, we always want to watch. We always want to yeah, see what happens. That's... You bring up the great point that, you know, if he is in Spain, what would he be? Grande Bebe. He would be, he would be <laughs> Big Baby uh, in, Span- in Spanish. But uh, we, we'll see for that, for that fight that is now uh, coming up in June and whether or not Big Baby is all talk and all blubber and uh, whether he has anything for Joshua or not. So the question now becomes, we've heard the rumored Wilder uh, Fury rematch would be announced last week or this week. It has not been announced yet. How much more complicated is it, David Payne, that this Joshua date is announced at Madison Square Garden? You have a looming large fight that will be in Las Vegas, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs in that one that is May the 4th. They're trying to find a landing spot for this rematch fight. It's most likely going to be at the Barclays Center in uh, in Brooklyn, New York, could still be in Las Vegas, though, also. How much more complicated, question to you, is finding the Wilder Fury date and making that fight now that the Joshua fight got announced first here for June? Uh, it, it must be a complication. Uh, they are potentially working on different um, turnover models, of course. Um, the Canelo fight is on the subscription service to zone. Uh, Joshua likely to appear on the same uh, platform. So could you make an argument that there's there's room for a pay-per-view in between, you know, a different type of customer? It's still a, the heavyweight. The heavyweights um, still draw draw the big crowds to, to pay-per-view and to the gate. Uh, but it, it's got to be a complication. Um, I think they would have liked to have got out first and put the pressure on the Wilders, uh, sorry, on Joshua's camp. But aren't we all bored with that stuff? Let's just watch the fights. Let's just <laughs> let's just get these fights on. Let's see Fury Wilder 2. And if it doesn't do quite as many on the pay-per-view, that's not our problem. Come on, let's get on with these fights. Let's see them. Let's get these guys in the ring. I think all those boxing fans, writers, observers, whatever we are, we're all a bit tired of talking about splits and purses and dates and venues and media platforms and promoters. Let's talk about who wins. Let's talk about the fights we've seen rather than fights we might see. You know, it makes the world go round. It keeps us all engaged and and talking about boxing. But we just want to see the fights, TJ, don't we? We just I agree. I agree. And supposedly, what do we know again? I don't know what I know. Right about now, I know what you know, and I know you're good at what you do. Supposedly, the rematch clause is the hang-up, probably from the Fury camp, that you know that if he wins because this fight would be in the United States and if there is a third fight it's obviously going to be in the UK 
obviously going to be somewhere, Wembley or, or wherever, that that's supposedly the hang-up. Uh, I, guess, I guess there's some concern here, too, that this may stall now, that, uh, that we may have to wait a while longer for the rematch from December. I don't know. Well, all I've heard, all I've read is that it's very, very close. The detail that you have there, you, you've got the advantage on me, TJ, I'll be honest, um, that it's that with regards to a to a rematch clause. But one, one can presume these things have been moving moving feasts, as it were. Wilder was never willing to, to, to negotiate seriously with uh, Joshua's camp once the Fury fight was on the table and certainly not until afterwards. Um, and now with the event, the, the outcome of the first fight, the rematch, is the only fight that those two guys can realistically make. Uh, it, it, their rematch can't get any bigger, so they have to fight next one way or another. But of course, there is that scenario where there's a unsatisfactory ending or there's it's just an outstanding fight and everyone wants to see a third. And you could surmise that Fury would then think, well, it must be my turn to have this in the UK. He's been very accommodating. He's been willing to take the fee straight off for the first fight. He was willing to do it without another warm-up fight. You know, he's been willing to gamble uh, and he's had faith in himself to do so. So you can understand why his, his parties might be negotiating on his behalf to make sure that any third fight would be back in the UK. Well, we'll find out. Again, the voice of David Payne with me. It's Big Fight Weekend. I want to ask David about this Leo Santa Cruz World Featherweight title fight coming up Saturday night in the United States here in just a moment. But a couple more minutes about the heavyweights. Again, the Wilder Fury fight was a draw last December, so there's obviously a lot of sizzle in the rematch on who's going to win that. So we're anxious to see when does that one get announced. We know that the Joshua fight is announced for June in the uh, in the U.S. against uh, Big Baby Miller. Uh, coming at Madison Square Garden. Speaking of the seemingly indestructible, undefeated heavyweight champion losing to an unlikely challenger, oh, it was 29 years ago earlier this week in Tokyo that Buster Douglas arguably pulled off the biggest upset in the history of boxing to that point or maybe even after as a 42-1 to underdog. Uh, Buster Douglas came out of nowhere to not only defeat Mike Tyson but knock him out. So I've been reminiscing some, and if our fans go to the website, BigFightWeekend.com, just launched, BigFightWeekend.com has got a little retrospective there that I wrote about that fight um, back in February of 1990. All right, fun one for you, David Payne. When you think back on that, we're not old. We just, we're seasoned. We're just veterans. It was, all, it was <laughs> almost 30 years ago. That's incredible that it was almost 30 years ago. What do you remember? What do you think of fondly on the Douglas upset of Tyson? Um, astonished, obviously, um, like everybody else, um, over here in the UK, Mike Tyson just became part of the vernacular. I mean, it's, it's how he described something being hard or tough. It was, it was either Rocky Balboa or it was Mike Tyson in the school playground and so on. It was, it was, he was a phenomenon to see him get smashed to pieces like that and stretching around for his gum shield. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, we we only in, here in the UK um, we didn't watch live, so it was kind of the shock of waking up the next day. So you had gone. This- so so in your case, if I can interject, you had gone to bed, uh, which yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. with the time difference, it's the middle of the night anyway. So you had gone to bed. 
You wake up the next morning, and this is this is the world that we lived in in 1990. You're reading a newspaper because kids, newspaper, kids, no. kids. There was no internet in 1990. <laughs> there were no cell phones. You had the radio, as they say in England. You have the telly. You you had yeah. a newspaper or the paper. What do you, what what's the uh, proper slang in Britain? The rag. What do you have there? Uh, yeah, the the red tops. Yeah, the red tops. That's what you had. So you you open the red tops. You you turn on the telly you you turn on the radio my god he lost to buster douglas he got knocked out is that the reaction that would be it and and there would be a very small group of people who would even know who buster douglas was at that point so it really he really would have been a 42 to one shot in the sense of you could have asked 42 people who he was and perhaps one may have known so okay <laughs> so, so was, that's very so true it's as, long, it's as long shot as it as long shots get and I think for me, when I when the, obviously in all of our timelines now that we have the internet, this stuff comes up and reminds us every year. Um, I think the, watching back some of that, which I did, I've watched the highlights back in the days that, since it's cropped up. Is the great regret about that we never saw that James Douglas again? When you watch it back and you see him moving and sliding and throwing the big punches and that beautiful jab, and it's just so tragic that we never saw him box like right. that. Probably before or again after, because he was he was a great heavyweight. It just it was only on the one night. And it's a great point that you make. It was the perfect storm. It was the one night that he could be great. He was really not great before that. He was never going to be great again. Speaking of out of shape, he was probably twenty to thirty pounds overweight and out of shape when Holyfield knocked him out. Well, he was, he, was prob- he was probably nearly Jerome Miller's way. <laughs> he was Grande Bebe before Grande Bebe uh, back, yeah. back fighting Holyfield when that happened. But for that one night, it was amazing. All right, so listen to this. So I am a college student at that point in the rock and roll town of Memphis, Tennessee, where I went to college in the United States. And I'm a big boxing fan. And uh, and where I lived with my uh, with my grandmother, going to school, going as a, as a sophomore, my second year in college, we did not have HBO, the famed boxing premium cable channel, the movies and premium boxing cable channel. We didn't have it. A friend of mine uh, who had done some different broadcasting and was in broadcasting classes with me did have HBO. The friend of mine was working at a local television station. Follow the bouncing ball here. And so I said to the friend of mine, when your shift is over, his shift was going to be over right around 11 Central Time, midnight Eastern Time after the newscast that he would uh, do work behind the scenes on, tape the fight and let's watch the fight. Bring the fight over, let's stay away from it, and let's watch what happens with his Tyson fight. He's, He's saying back to me, David... Why would I want to do that? Tyson's going to clobber this guy. It's worthless. I don't care about taping it. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to. I'm going to tape the fight, David. I'm going to tape the fight to my friends. <laughs> tape the fight. I can't see the fight. This might be interesting. Tape the fight. So obviously, what happens happens. Um, and and Douglas dominates the fight. You can't see it again. It's not on radio. There is no internet. I still remember watching that local newscast in Memphis, Tennessee, because the knockout, the KO, happened right before the sports segment on the newscast. Would have come at about 22, 24 minutes past the hour would have been the sportscast. So the actual knockout, 
late night U.S. time happen right before the local news is doing the sports. I still remember the local news anchor. Stan Saunders was his name. They had no highlight. They had no nothing. Stan Saunders is sitting on this local newscast, and I'm watching because I know my friend is helping behind the scenes with the cameras and the different stuff on the newscast. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Tyson has been knocked out in Tokyo, Japan, and he's holding up, David, visualize this, the script, his piece of paper. He says, I don't know that I believe this. He's holding it up. I don't know that I believe this, that Mike Tyson has just been knocked out in Tokyo, Japan. We're on this story. We will stay on this story. Again, there's no internet. They can't have an internet access to it. If they didn't have it, David, they didn't have HBO at the station to record it. They're not watching it there. But he's holding up the piece of paper saying, Mike Tyson has been knocked out. That's the story in Tokyo, Japan. Here is the written proof from the AP wire that some guy, he even said this, some guy named Buster Douglas, James Douglas, has knocked out Mike Tyson. We will have more details later. And, of course, you then flip it over to ESPN, which had become very prominent for the national news. And they they were there. They were live for the aftermath. They obviously didn't show the fight. So then my friend comes over, and we know what's happened. And we watched from the opening bell. We didn't fast-forward on the VCR. Forget about DVDs now, kids, or or fast-forwarding on the Internet when you watch on Netflix or whatever streaming service. We watched from beginning to end on the VCR. No fast-forward, even in between rounds, and we're just amazed in the middle of the night watching on VHS the Tyson uh, upset by Buster Douglas. Incredible. Incredible. The the two or three things that I keep remembering, a, a great line from the American broadcaster Jim Lampley doing the fight with Larry Merchant and Sugar Ray Leonard on the U.S. broadcast, David. The crowd was so quiet in the Tokyo Dome. They had 40,000 fans there, and the crowd is not cheering or roaring while Buster Douglas continues to use the jab, continues to use the right hand, and eventually scores a knockout. But Lampley said... It's like it's like this crowd showed up to see Godzilla and the wrong Godzilla is winning. Nobody knows to <laughs> cheer, nobody knows what to do while Douglas is dominating this fight. Uh just wild. Wild what we remember that is a th- nearly 30-year-old memory for me. So I love reminiscing about that, rewatching it in the middle of the night with a friend of mine and with others. And what became hilarious is the sports anchor at that station said, "We need the we. I want to watch the videotape. I want to watch your VHS tape to see what yes. happened, so we can talk about it the next day." So there's my memory of Douglas. You Tyson. see, you see, you were born to break stories, TJ. Oh my So the things that, that we bring up. Thank you for letting me go on the diatribe there, but there's my memory of it. I don't. I know I don't have you for much longer, but that it just resonates when there's an upset like that it still resonates all these years uh, later and it's still amazing that that Mike Tyson had so undertrained and underprepared he wasn't ready and Douglas just put it together that night David and real it's, quick it's it's not nowhere near on the same scale but yeah that that thing that stays with you that the memory of when you found out it's nowhere near so forgive forgive them putting them in the same sentence but I remember being at a a small hall show down in London um, the night that uh, Corey Sanders flattened um, Vladimir Klitschko in two rounds. And that was just as mobile phones were coming into 
to being. And uh, my wife, my wife's, I think it was my wife sent me a text saying Glitzko has been knocked out in two rounds. And, <laughs> and I, you're I, texting I back, what are you drinking? What, what, yeah, what's because, going on? Right. Yeah. Because, and I shared it with, I was on press row, fortunately that evening. And I shared it with the, and the kind of leaning forward because it was before everybody had, you know, the, the phones with the news and everything else. It was just the old text was about all you could do on it or play snake uh, or Tetris. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and, and and the picture of the couple of guys that were sitting next to me, their faces when you passed it on, and then it suddenly it it goes around the arena very quickly, you know, within a few minutes. But yeah, it's um, when those shocks happen, they kind of stay with you. Anything out of the ordinary, it stays with you. Oh, you know, no doubt, work, no doubt. From that night, and again, it's fun to reminisce. The fights there in in full are on highlights on YouTube, where you watch Douglas, who was so good with the jab. I mean, he he was the, he defeated the indestructible Mike Tyson two ways by standing up to him, number one. And number two, using the jab, using the reach and keeping the distance and eventually landing big enough punches and enough punches to knock him out. Um, incredible what, with what we remember. All right, so we were all stirred up about the heavyweights. I've only got a few moments left with David Payne over in the UK. All right, Leo Santa Cruz defending the world featherweight title. We're talking about that some here on Big Fight Weekend. That is uh, a fight that is going to be from Los Angeles. It's on over-the-air TV on Fox in the U.S. I obligatory ask you frequently, UK going to care much about this world featherweight title fight? Santa Cruz has a previous win over Carl Frampton from the UK. Does this register a little bit uh, for this weekend? Will there be? I know you'll watch, but will there be some that will care about this? Um There'll be people like me that care about this. So the, the boxing hard nuts or hardcore, as we call them over here, um, will care and will want to to try and get hold of the action if they can. Because um, Leo Santa Cruz is a known name and he's one of the best 10, 20 guys in the world. Uh, anyway, um, so they'll want to watch, but they'll also appreciate that this is not going to be one of his defining evenings. Uh, Rivera is a, a brave kid from uh, Mexico. I'm sure will bring everything he's got, but unfortunately what he's got is not going to be enough unless there's some significant decline in Santa Cruz. He's not fought since uh, June last year, so um, it's possible at 30 that he may not quite have the edge that he did when he fought Myra's last time. Um, but the assumption is that uh, Santa Cruz should have too much. But over here in the UK, it's not going to register greatly, TJ, I'm afraid to say. Um, no, Santa understood. It is a great fighter, but this is not a... This is not a marquee fight for him. I think not, uh, not a big enough deal over there, but it will be somewhat of a big deal here. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. Anything else in closing? And I want you to also plug away on what interests you right now with your site as well and what you're up to uh, with some of the previews that you've been writing. So go ahead, sir. What else? Uh, well, thank you for that. You can find my work, as I always mention, at boxingwriter.co.uk. I do some betting previews too for freebets.net. Um, I'm I'm look, I'm excited about this year coming up. We get frustrated and tied up and a bit uh, wrapped up in all the negotiations and the gossip. But at the same time, I guess it's what keeps it buzzing along. It's what keeps it interesting, uh, a different, frustrating enthralling we love it we hate it it keeps the passion in all of us as we sit here on valentine's day but we do love the boxing and it um it's always engaging i think the next few months are going to be fantastic over here in the uk everyone's very excited about the year ahead we've got so many great fights and of course we've also got the world boxing super series with the semi-finals also um looking booked up now and we might be seeing a new coming to scotland which is going to be great for british fight fans so there's lots to be excited about and the heavyweights when they finally start happening and they finally start hitting each other on the chin, 
we're all going to be there, aren't we? We're all going to be watching and all this negotiation nonsense will be long forgotten. So it's uh, it's exciting times and it's great to be on the Big Fight Weekend show again. Well, I love having you. I love the insight. We encourage uh, fans to check out David's website as well, boxingwriter.co.uk, where he's writing all the time about the sweet science. He's been great to come on with me repeatedly here on Big Fight Weekend. And uh, I always love uh, I always love the insight uh, reminiscing about that. Hey, one more nugget because I know you love trivia. There was controversy around the referee the night of the Douglas Tyson fight in Tokyo, and whether the the Mexican referee that the WBC appointed. So you got a Mexican referee that's in Tokyo administering the fight where Mike Tyson is in big trouble and eventually gets gets knocked down and knocked out about whether that referee gave a slow count to Buster Douglas when he got knocked down earlier in the fight. That referee, Octavio Meron is his name, uh, very famed for being in that moment, waving the fight off while, while Tyson's staggering around with his, with his mouth guard, or yeah. as you called it, his gum shield standing there. Octavio Meron, also the referee, David Payne, the knight of Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, no mas. The rematch, <sighs> Moran is the one that kept looking at Duran and saying, let's go, boxeo, box, fight. And Duran looked at him and said, no mas, and waved his hands. And Moran said, let's go. And he said, no mas. Moran intertwined with two of the more wild, bizarre, memorable fights, 80s and, and 1990. How about that? Yeah. little trivia well, well, on the Big Fight Weekend yeah. podcast. It's, a, it's an amazing coincidence to be involved in the kind of denouement of two great monsters, isn't it? Duran and Tyson, to, have, to, to be there the nights that they, well, not the myth in Duran's case, perhaps slightly more in Tyson's case, um, was, uh, was you know, unrobed, as it were. So, yeah, quite, quite a coincidence. Good nugget. Like that, I love, love the, oh, no, I love, And I love the pronunciation of, we call it nugget in the South, and nugget or whatever. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I still remember that. I was much younger. I was a, I was a younger tyke. No live TV for that fight. It was a closed circuit. They didn't have pay-per-view. The radio came on announcing it. Duran has quit. Duran, Duran has quit in the middle of the ring during the fight. Uh, it was crazy. It just shows you how far we've come with the technology, and that's why we love podcasting and things like that. It connects me to a guy like David Payne. Thank you. I know you've been gracious with your time. I know you've got to go. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Again, follow him at The Boxing Writer on Twitter. He's a great follow if you're a fight fan, especially on the weekends, live tweeting about fights. Go to his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. David Payne, thank you. Good night, TJ. Cheers. Oh, if I'm going to talk some boxing, you know I go to, to my faves, I go to my rotation, and I get the opportunity here whenever I get to welcome in Brother Knox, Jonas Knox, the Prince of Darkness, Fox Sports Radio, national host, overnights on the weekends, huge boxing guy, love his insight. When I get that chance, I roll out the red carpet. How are you, Prince of Darkness? Ready to come off the top rope with the elbow or what? Let's go. Oh, no, that's what we do, man. Teej, you're my guy. We've been talking boxing most of the time off the air at Fox when we work together because <laughs> nobody else, I think, really cared outside of us about our thoughts. But I feel like, I don't know if it's me, but I feel like boxing's kind of making a little bit of a comeback. Are, are you sensing yes. that as well, too? The buzz is a little bit back, I think, for the sport? Well, and you've got, they, they've done something smart, which you and I have talked about before. They've got a game plan that involves put bigger fights on regular cable TV where people don't have to pay $39, $49, $59, $95 to see all of them and grow it a little bit. 
Um, and, and look, I, I'm being a little partial because I enjoy getting to deal with their fighters and their people and their announcers, but the Premier Boxing Champions people have done a great job right now of marketing it, putting it on Fox like they will Saturday night in L.A. That's one of the reasons why we're talking to Jonas Knox. I'm going to ask him about the Santa Cruz fight, but uh, d- don't you agree with me that overall they're doing a better job of trying to grow the sport, familiarize everybody with the fighters again, and not make everybody pay through the nose to see the fights? It's a good plan right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think they're also venturing out into, you know, zone and some of these other ways that you can watch it. They're, you know, obviously you and I being old school boxing guys, we miss HBO. I'm not willing to close the coffin on HBO. I still think they've got something to say about boxing moving forward, but we'll wait to see how that plays out. But to your point, in dealing with the people around the sport, um, I, co- I was at the Wilder Fury press event that was out here in L.A., couple of months back and so we went out there and did some coverage for fox they couldn't two of the biggest heavyweights getting ready for the most anticipated heavyweight fight that we've seen and you know how this goes covering super bowls and whatnot sometimes at these bigger events you kind of get brushed aside a little bit because there's so many people to take care of we were accommodated so well and they they were so good to all of us and it's not just a fox thing or an espn thing they just really, I think, wanted to have some good standing with with media, and I think they came across great. And I think that I've seen it in other fights and buildups for other fights as well, too. Oh, and Top Rank is doing a good job with ESPN of putting some of these fights that are on on ESPN. I know they're using their app, ESPN Plus, and this is the new wave. You talked about DAZN as a streaming service. Um, and there's a couple of this new UFC fight pass is going to have boxing on it. Also, Fox is going to have a uh, pay-per-view for the first time on that Garcia Spence fight in March for the welterweight championship coming up. So some of the bigger ones are still going to be on pay-per-view. I mean, the, the, uh, the upcoming Wilder Fury rematch will definitely be on pay-per-view. The Canelo Jacobs fight that's coming May the 4th, Cinco de Mayo weekend. That's going to be on pay-per-view, but they're doing a smarter thing with putting some of the lower weight champions, uh, on on ESPN, on Fox, on FS1, etc. DAZN uh, doing a great job of having some of those fights with an affordable app and service there. So all of those, all of those things are positive. All of those things are, are productive. All right, so speaking of the heavyweights and speaking of Wilder and Fury, we find out first that Anthony Joshua is going to fight in the United States, Jonas, in June against Jarrell Big Baby Miller. We were already talking about this fight earlier here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Big, big baby is bigger baby now. He's up over three bills, my friend. He fought a couple <laughs> of times at like better than 310, 315. Is this a joke to you, Prince of Darkness, and Joshua's just going to destroy this guy? What do you think? I think it's just how boxing does it. They build these guys up, and I think they actually do a better job than, say, the UFC does, to where you'll see boxers, and coming up the ranks, They'll have sort of cupcake fights. Mike Tyson went through it. A lot of the great fighters, they'll have sort of gimme fights, tomato cans, if you will. And, and more of it is to showcase this individual. This is how great he is. Get used to the face. Get used to the punching power. Get used to the style. Get used to all of it. And then we'll see him in better competition moving forward. The problem with Anthony Joshua is when you just come off potentially one of the better heavyweight fights that me personally I've seen in 15 to 20 years and the narrative surrounding Anthony Joshua is you're ducking opponents I I just think there's there they got a lot of PR 
and, and a lot of damage control they need to, that needs to happen in order to make people really think and Anthony Joshua is a legitimate contender in the conversation because you can't come off a fight like we just saw. It, it would be like having, you know, Guns N' Roses uh, open up for Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> by the time she gets on stage, by the time she gets on stage, people are going, what the hell is this? Like, what am I watching here? And, and so Anthony Joshua, as talented he is as he is, as good of a look as he has, and you and I have talked about it, when you come off that fight between Wilder and Fury, it's a tough sell no matter what, especially, you know, looking at who he's fighting. Is he even going to be in shape? I, I just, I think it's tough for the Joshua camp. All right. Well, and, we, and we know the Joshua fight is announced for, for June. We, we're trying to figure out if Wilder Fury, because they've delayed it another week, are they going to fight in late May? Are they now going to fight before uh, the Joshua uh, Big Baby Miller fight? Can they get the Barclays Center on the date that they want? That's been one of the discussions. There, there was talk that it would be in and around the Canelo fight, maybe before the Canelo fight in late April, that they would fight again. Let's see if that gets done. You're with me. We are we are both blood brothers here. We got to see Joshua against Wilder, probably, if he wins, but it may be Fury. I mean, if Fury wins against Deontay Wilder, Joshua Fury may be next. But it, if it's if it's Joshua and Wilder after a Wilder win, we got to see that like this win. Winter, don't we? Or, or at the very latest, like early spring, something next year. They can't keep putting that off. We got to see that, don't we? Yeah, and and let me tell you something. If if they really want to squash Joshua's momentum heading into this June fight, I mean, what if they were to do, like what what if they do Wilder Fury two Memorial Day weekend? I mean, again, just doubling down on these are the two best fighters. Don't even worry. I mean, it's it's gonna. There'll be no. It'll take away from the buzz, right. especially if they have another fight like that for Anthony Joshua. And then also on top of it, if those two guys go twelve rounds again and beat the hell out of each other like they did the last time, who knows if they're even going to be ready at the back end of this year for a fight with Anthony Joshua? I mean, in a way, maybe now that I'm thinking out loud, it's smart for Anthony Joshua to delay this almost a a pseudo Floyd Mayweather tactic to where he doesn't fight Manny Pacquiao until later in his career. And he fights Canelo Alvarez before he hits his prime. Maybe these two guys, you know, beating the hell out of each other twice benefits Anthony Joshua. And maybe there's a tactical game that they're trying to play in with the Joshua camp. Yeah, maybe. And again, the the Joshua fight on the schedule would not be mid-June if I misspoke there. It would be June 1st, the following week after Memorial Day weekend. There's talk, there had been talk, that it's the third week in May that they may be looking at fighting at the Barclays Center with Wilder and Fury if they can work it out. We'll see. It's not worked out yet. It's not done. And and, and look, Teach, if, if you have one big event in New York, boxing event, that's going to hurt ticket sales for the next big boxing event in New York. Regardless, I mean, people aren't going to want to spend on both. So are you going to right. spend on Anthony Joshua or are you going to spend on the two guys that you know we're going to deliver because they already did it once? Good point. That's why he's the Prince of Darkness. Jonas Knox with me. So we're talking a little bit about those fights made. I promise we're going to get to the Santa Cruz-Rivera fight for a minute or two. World featherweight title fight coming up. Uh, as part of the Premier Boxing Champion Series on Fox. It's a World Featherweight Championship fight coming Saturday night with Kenny Albert and Lennox Lewis and Joe Goosen on the call as part of that card from L.A. We'll talk about that in a moment or two. This is the 29th anniversary week of what is not just 
the biggest boxing upset ever. You could make the argument, I know the USA hockey team beating the Russians in the semifinals of the Olympics. Yes, Villanova, Georgetown, the perfect game. Seemingly Patrick Ewing and Georgetown were indestructible. Villanova beat them. You can you can point to other upsets, but but Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson in Tokyo. We we talked earlier about this anniversary. I talked with David Payne from over in the UK about this and told my story about where I was and what happened. I know you're younger than me, but this fight still resonates 30 years later as arguably the greatest boxing upset, if not the greatest upset that we can contemplate in North American sports history. Yeah, Mike Tyson was like growing up, we were, you know, our family were boxing fans, all of us. So, you know, it seemed like every Saturday night we were watching a boxing match or a fight or something like that. And that's just how we grew up and we were raised. It was just part of what we did as a family entertainment wise. All right. Do we go out for dinner? No, I can't really afford dinner because the family's too big. All right, let's sit around, uh, make hot dogs and hamburgers on a Saturday and watch boxing. That's what we did. And my brothers, my older brothers loved Mike Tyson. I mean, he was uh, just such a breath of fresh air in, in a sport that I think needed somebody different, smaller, more explosive, different ring attire, just came out and did it a little bit differently than anybody else did. So he was a buzzsaw through that division. And so I can just remember seeing, and I think it was Charlie Steiner, who made the announcement on SportsCenter on ESPN. <laughs> and I remember it because, if you recall, the old uh, SportsCenter backdrop where like it was like the block lettering or the right, block... Right, uh, right. Uh, yeah, like in the background, like the sort of the beige block lettering. And Charlie Steiner um, talking about it. And I remember them showing highlights of Mike Tyson picking up his mouthpiece. And I, like, and this is probably a, a prelude to my you know, just enjoying the idea of there being conspiracies, even though I, I don't believe 95% of them. I remember thinking to myself young, I might've been nine years old, 10 years old, but I remember thinking, nah, he's got to be faking it. <laughs> nah, he's not, right. that's Mike Tyson. That's, that's not, normal. how is this possible? Really yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really knew anything about Buster Douglas. And then you come to find out afterwards, his mom passed away before the fight. He was motivated. His dad was a fighter. He was a really talented guy when he would get motivated and get in shape, but it was just around the house. I remember the only, the only other time growing up that I can remember there being sort of this feeling around the house after a sporting event of just everything, like the air leaving the bodies as fans was after magic hit the hook shot in 87, growing up Celtic fans in LA. I, I just knew something was wrong because everybody was doing yard work. They were, it wasn't just my dad. <laughs> it was everybody. And it was, I just remember this, this vibe in the house of like, man, that was really bad. I don't know what it really means yet, but that was right. really you were bad. a little and guy. That was about later. three years earlier, uh, <laughs> and you're right. I mean, actually, it was about five years earlier, four or five years earlier. And when Magic hit that hook shot, I still see it today over the top of Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale. It was a dagger for Celtic fans across the country, and you guys are Celtic fans in L.A. Where everybody else, oh yeah. If you opened a window at your house, your whole neighborhood roared at that moment when that shot went in. 
But yeah, that's a great analogy because it was, I mean, the aura around Mike Tyson was he's indestructible. Nobody can stop this guy, much less can anybody, Jonas, knock this guy down or knock this guy out. And that is exactly what happened. It Surreal is a great word to use that as that fight wore on and you watch that fight again and rewatch it, it's almost surreal the way that Buster Douglas is using that jab, controlling that fight, neutralizing Mike Tyson. You would have never thought that was possible in the late 1980s or in 1990 until you saw it happen, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a couple of moments where there's been, say, a one-punch knockout that are kind of similar to where it's it's almost jarring. Like, it's, it's so incredible that it happened. I remember Sergio Martinez one-punching Paul Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounded like sleep. a gun going off. Yeah, I remember seeing that and going, wow, that was something. Juan Manuel Marquez knocking out Manny Pat. I can just remember Roy Jones on the broadcast going, oh, because nobody (laughs) – that was Manny Pacquiao. I mean, Manny Pacquiao, in all the years you've been watching – and I'm not trying to put words in your your mouth, but got to be one of the top three most exciting eras for a fighter was watching Manny Pacquiao take on everybody at different weight classes and going through – and Mike Tyson was kind of like that. So when it ends, and it ends so abruptly – you're just looking around going, wait, did that happen? What, what's going on here? And that's, I, just, I just remember that feeling around the house because we were such Tyson fans after Buster Douglas knocked him out. Well, and remember, he was in his prime. He had, he had knocked out Michael Spinks a couple years earlier. He had destroyed every contender. And now he was, he was relegated to fighting almost also Rands just to stay in shape and stay interested uh, and that, and they couldn't even sell this fight in the United States. Figuratively, Don King, he had to sell it to Japan. Tyson comes to Japan, and Buster Douglas ends up uh, destroying Mike Tyson, the myth of the indestructibility of Mike Tyson that night. So uh, there's no doubt that, that that moment still still 29 years later. We watch that. It's an amazing last couple of rounds of the fight because you don't remember this until you dig back into it that Tyson landed the big uppercut himself and knocked oh, yeah. Douglas down in the eighth round, and you're thinking maybe he's going to knock him out now after Douglas has been dominating the fight. The ninth round, before the tenth round knockout, is a great round where they're hammering each other and you're wondering what's going to happen and then the 10th round happens where Buster lands the uppercut and then eventually the big left hook and um, incredible incredible to go back in time and I actually think if there were more time left in the 8th round I think Tyson finishes him I think Buster Douglas was badly hurt there's a lot of people who claim a slow count uh, that that if that were a normal count uh, he would have been done Um, and, and it's also like here this just goes to show you how big of a mismatch it was going in. So Vegas Sportsbooks, you can bet on anything. You can bet on the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. That's right. There's a bet out there on who the next Lakers head coach is going to be, and LeVar Ball is one of the options. Like you can, They will literally put a betting line on anything. Coin tossed in the Super Bowl, length of the National Anthem, Gatorade color. They put, they put the odds a couple of years ago when Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf had a child. They put the odds on the child winning yes. Wimbledon. They absolutely yes. did. It's legit yes. to add to your li- okay. list of absurdity. Yes. Yeah, so this is how much of a mismatch that fight was, Buster Douglas and Tyson. Nobody was willing to put odds up except for one guy. Right. Nobody was willing to put odds up 
And that's where the 42 to one, and there's a great 30 for 30 on ESPN. They do about it. Nobody wanted to say it was such a mismatch. They'll, they'll put odds on LeVar Ball being the next head coach of the Lakers, but they weren't willing to put odds on a heavyweight boxing match back in 1990 because it was such a mismatch and nobody had a reading on it. And so it, it just it just goes to show you that it when we talk about, man, one, one of the biggest upsets of all time, you'd be hard-pressed to find another one. Very true. A couple minutes left. The Prince of Darkness is here. Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio, overnights, late into the night and early Saturday morning and early Sunday morning, you hear him. Also with Brady Quinn on Sunday nights on that, not, on that network. Check out the Fox Sports Radio affiliates, the iHeartRadio app uh, as well. FoxSportsRadio.com has more details on that. Love his insight. Great fight fan. He's in L.A. All right, so Sam Santa Cruz uh, gets ready to fight here in this uh, showdown with a, a late replacement, Rafael Rivera. So Leo Santa Cruz, a Los Angelino, has the backing of the public in the area. He should win convincingly. Is there any buzz as we head to the weekend right now? I know we've got we got Lakers drama. We always seemingly do uh, this time of year. The golf with Tiger is in town for the weekend. It's always Hollywood. It's about to be the Oscars. Is there any buzz around Santa Cruz and this defense that's on fire? and the whole country's watching Saturday night? Well, there is definitely a little bit of buzz, but I think the Laker drama has really taken a lot of it away. Um, The Rams, Todd Gurley mystery, what happened there? The Rams losing the Super Bowl. uh, You know, pitchers and catchers reporting, so people are excited. You know, the Dodgers, can they finally get it done? There's a little bit of buzz, but it's not exactly like it's on the, the forefront of people's minds heading into the weekend. But... I mean, you remember, like, this was a, a joke that uh, Jay Johnson, who was a producer at Fox Sports Radio, you remember him. I oh, yeah. Worked with him. JJ, uh, yeah. yes. So, yeah, he was, he, he's also a big-time fight fan. And the joke always was, I would walk up to him and say, uh, hey, I think uh, Leo Santa Cruz is fighting soon. He's like, oh, yeah, why is that? I'm like, yeah, because there's a card coming up at StubHub Center. <laughs> it seemed like every time there was a StubHub Center card, Leo Santa Cruz was on the card. He's like, man, you're so right. So they... I mean, he was fighting, I mean, five, six years or four or five years ago, it seemed like he was fighting four or five times a year. He was so busy and so active, and most of those were local cards. They really groomed him and really brought him up locally here. So he definitely has a following. I'm, I'm happy he's not fighting and not as busy as he, as he used to be because I just don't believe that the older you get, you can keep that kind of workload, especially the way he fights. And, and be that active moving forward. But he's such a good kid. Um, he's got, uh, he says all the right things. There's no controversies, no nothing. And he's an exciting fighter who's going to go out there, th- throw seemingly 100 punches around. Uh, he's aesthetically pleasing. He'll deliver no matter what. I'm, I'm just hoping that he ends up getting his big-time payday sometime soon. Well, he had the two great battles with, uh, with Abner Mares and, and one uh, both of those, including the rematch, uh, he's got a big punch. Rivera's got a little yeah. bit of a punch, but again, this is a late sub that only came in two and a half weeks ago, 
and, and actually Rivera fought about three and a half weeks ago and scored an early knockout. So let's see if this guy, Rivera, has anything for Mares or will, will Mares buzzsaw him. That's the intrigue. But like we always talk about, Jonas, I mean, they're not paying us to say this, but we, we might as well be on the bandwagon here for the PR for Premier Boxing Champions and Fox. You have to tune in because Rivera could hit him with a lucky punch. There could be a cut. There could be blood. And that, and that affects the fight and the strategy of the fight. There could be anything that could happen here that could equalize this thing. That's why we tune in. If you're a boxing fan, you're going to tune in to see, is it going to be a squash or is Rivera going to make a fight out of it? We'll find out. Yeah, and also, what the hell else are you going to watch? A slam dunk contest? I mean, come on, man. No, no, nobody, nobody's done a new dunk in that thing since, like, the mid-'90s. So, I, like, get you out You go here. back with me, if I can interject, to D. Brown and the Reebok pumps and yep. pumping the shoes up and then going yeah. and winning the dunk contest. We go back there, and then we go backwards to Jordan <laughs> yeah. and Dominique and all of that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The slam dunk, jump the shark like the Fonz in Happy Days about 15 years ago or more. Uh, we'll see and, about and this uh, with mistaken, the fight. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Rex Chapman in that dunk contest with D. Brown? He might have. He might have been, Rex but he didn't yeah. have the Reebok and, pumps. Was that that was not the no. year? Was it the next year that Sabalos put the blindfold on? And I know you guys do work with Cedric Sabalos on Fox Sports Radio. I think that was the next year that Sabalos had the blindfold on and took off at the full yes. running leap. And then to this day, people still believe he could see through like slits in the blindfold to be able to fly through the air and dunk it. YouTube it, kids, if you want to watch the slam dunk. But I'm with you. Let's see if, if Leo Santa Cruz has a slam dunk for Saturday night and an early knockout. We're going to tune in. We're going to find out uh, on Fox. All right, plug away, sir. Give me the, uh, the lowdown here on when we hear you on Fox Sports Radio, Jonas Knox. So you can hear me every Friday and Saturday night. Uh, well, all right, here's how it works. 11 p.m. Friday night Pacific time, 2 a.m. Eastern time, all the way till 6 in the morning on Saturday morning Eastern time. That's 3 o'clock Pacific. And then also same time slot on uh, on Saturdays uh, into Sundays. So those two shows, and then with Brady Quinn, we do a Sunday night show from 5 to 8 Pacific, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio. And you can listen to all those shows on the iHeartRadio app. So figure Beautiful. out your own time zone. I'm not that smart. As I always have said when you were helping me with all the stuff at Fox, adjust your time zone accordingly. The man laid it out for you on what time <laughs> it is on. Uh, and again, you'll be talking about whatever happens with Santa Cruz, late night, Saturday night, iHeartRadio app, Fox Sports Radio affiliates. Let's see if it is... A, a buzzsaw and look i'm looking forward i'm going to get you back on the big fight weekend podcast because we've got some tremendous fights between earl spence and mikey garcia oh, coming man. up you've got the canelo jacobs fight uh that is cinco de mayo weekend these heavyweight title fights promise me that the prince of darkness rejoins me on the podcast i gotta have the breakdown brother i was talking to my brother i don't know that you can make uh, you could argue this in other divisions but it's hard pressed to find a better fight you can make right now than mikey garcia and errol spence like it's it's hard to argue that mikey garcia is so talented and errol spence will fight anybody and is is a problem for anybody in and around that division i, I that fight i am really looking forward to we are definitely talking about oh, that we got to prince of darkness you're the best keep killing them on fox sports radio overnights thank you sir love you teach
There he goes. Love that Prince of Darkness, Jonas Knox. Let's see what Santa Cruz and Rivera have on Saturday night. That'll do it for this edition of Big Fight Weekend. That's the main event uh, coming up on Fox in the United States. Again, you may be hearing us worldwide. Check your listings via the internet or wherever you are about seeing Santa Cruz against Rivera. And, uh, and again, so many big fights that are going to be happening. That's why we have this podcast, Big Fight Weekend. And we encourage you, again, stay engaged with BigFightWeekend.com, the website uh, again, Marquise Johns was on with me earlier. He is uh, quarterbacking that site, if you will, to mix our sports. He's our heavyweight champ who is keeping track of everything on BigFightWeekend.com. From time to time, David Payne will be sharing some of his work with us as a as an insider over in the U.K. and uh, a longtime boxing writer and columnist. Again, we encourage you to go to his site, BoxingWriter.co.uk, to find out more about what he's writing about with boxing. And again, listen to Jonas Knox, overnights, Friday nights, Saturday night, in the middle of the night. Also, Sunday evenings, Fox Sports Radio. Go to the iHeartRadio app, the Fox Sports Radio affiliates. He'll definitely be talking in the post-fight aftermath about Santa Cruz and Rivera on Fox. So anxious to uh, to see what these guys do. And, and again, we thank all of our guests for being here with me. Thank you for being with us. It's Big Fight Weekend. It's brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Go to touchvodka.com. Brand new brand with all different flavors of Touch Vodka. Find out where it's available, how you can order it. Go to touchvodka.com. Santa Cruz and Rivera coming up on Saturday evening on Fox. Again, read more and stay engaged all day, every day at bigfightweekend.com. That's the new website that's launched bigfightweekend.com. I'm proud to be contributing there. Again, Marquise uh, Johns has got uh, most of the coverage. Some other select contributors will be writing and we'll be talking boxing nonstop, not only there, writing it nonstop, but also talking it here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the Santa Cruz Rivera fight. How long it lasts, we're going to find out. It's boxing, you never know. And we're anxious to come back soon with another edition of Big Fight Weekend. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Daniel, uh, UFC Fortaleza this past weekend uh, was on ESPN Plus. It was the first uh, card on ESPN Plus. I did not watch live. This one I watched live, and it was such an enjoyable experience. And, and the best way I would describe it is, you know, during the Fox era on the UFC, to me, it was about filling up time, and, and these cars just the, the, they just dragged on, but. As I was watching that fight car on Saturday night, I felt like I was watching, like I was watching the Magic play, or I was watching the Knowles play, or I was watching a football game, an NHL game, where it was. We know you are here to watch the sporting event. You are not here to listen to us talk. And it seemed to me that I guess the way they formatted that show was the prelims was the first half. The transition from the prelims to the main car with the main car opening was halftime, and then the main car was the second half. I, I, it was such a great, uh, you know, pacing of the event, a very enjoyable experience. Kudos to ESPN, kudos to the UFC for that pacing. And boy, I hope some other MMA organizations kind of look at what ESPN's doing. Yeah, man. I tell you what, this move to ESPN, there is a lot of no brainer things ESPN is doing with these broadcasts that is really making watching the UFC a more enjoyable experience. I mean, I tell you what, I did not anticipate that this weekend, Jason, I would have had more fun watching UFC Fortaleza than watching the Super Bowl. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.